and welcome to Comments from the Couch by Life Stands Health. I'm Nikki Lianza, and on this episode, we'll be talking with Rachel Polakoff, who will help us understand anxiety disorders. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much for having me. Now, we know as clinicians how prevalent anxiety disorders can be. I recently saw a statistic from the National Institute of Mental Health that anxiety disorders among adults uh, in the year 2021 was 19%. So that's a big chunk of, of adults struggling with anxiety disorders. So it's really great to have you on to help us understand these disorders a lot more. So I appreciate it. So can you tell us a little bit about you and, and your specialty in anxiety disorders? Certainly. Um, so I'm Dr. Rachel Polakoff. Um, I trained at the University of Hawaii, Manoa. And while I was there, um, I was trained in exposure and response prevention therapy by um, one of the doctors that had worked with Judith Beck. So I feel like I got pretty good training there. Um, after that, I went to uh, Kaiser Permanente, South San Francisco to do um, an addiction medicine fellowship. And while I was working with folks with substance abuse disorders, I saw a very high comorbidity uh, of anxiety disorders. That's, I wanna say like 35% comorbidity, something like that wow. uh, between anxiety and um, substance abuse disorders. So it's very common. Um, and now um, I'm with Life Stance Health. I've been with the company for almost three years. Um, and, uh, you know, we were acquired at after a certain point, uh, but it's the same team for us, which is great. And we see, um, teens and, and adults. Um, I would say that my specialty is adults, but I do see a lot of teens. And when you were talking about the, um, the rates in adults, um, the rates in teens is actually a little bit higher. Um, wow. and a lot of that is because of the stress of the pandemic, uh, which has put a lot of um, toll on our young people today. So I'm also very interested in helping young people through anxiety disorders. Right. Uh, that's such an excellent point. It's just the toll it's been taking on our adolescents, on our youth in general is so key. So thank you for mentioning that as well. And, and as we continue with our episode today, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about more tips on how to help individuals navigate anxiety for sure. So to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about what is uh, an anxiety disorder? Sure. I mean, a lot of people wonder, you know, am I suffering from an, an anxiety disorder or am I just stressed or burnt out? Like, how can I tell the, the difference, you know? Um, so I would say one thing that we should talk about is the different types of anxiety disorders, because um, you could be suffering from one, you could be suffering from six, you know, there's a lot right, of comorbidities. Right. So you know, we have generalized anxiety disorder, which is when you feel that excessive, unrealistic worry and tension with little or no reason. And what makes it different than a stress-related incident is that the duration, right? Okay. So we have the significant impairment and then it goes on for more than six months. Um, there's a really great inventory, uh, the BAI, uh, which measures this. And it's a nice tool you can give in session with clients. And generally what gets endorsed is I have difficulty controlling the worry almost every day um, for at least two weeks. Um, and then that needs to continue on for more than six months to get it out of the adjustment disorder zone. Gotcha. So basically gotcha. we're looking at duration as a real yeah. criteria. Um, we're also looking at the, it, the degree of impairment. 
Um, you probably know those people who are like very low level stress all the time <laughs> and they may or may not have anxiety disorders, but generally they wouldn't meet the criteria if they're not causing impairment in their life. Right. So this has to cause significant impairment in work, school and home. So that's generalized anxiety disorder. Building off that, we have panic disorder. Uh, most people um, don't just start off with panic disorder. A lot of them have generalized anxiety disorder mm -hmm. first. And it sort of builds into that with a traumatic event. Um, so that is like a physical symptom. Like you feel that intense fear that brings on a panic attack. You have sweats, you have chest pain and that pounding heartbeat. Um, moving on, we also have social anxiety disorder. This is something I see teens struggle with a lot, um, especially with the pandemic. Um, we have specific phobias. I treat those a lot. Um, couple of ones I treat that I've actually been surprised um, how common it is, is like emetophobia. So like there's a fear of vomiting or being sick. Oh. Um, there's a lot of fears of flying and dri driving, especially here in Los Angeles. I treat a lot of transportation phobias, yeah, um, some of which are very well founded <laughs> considering the accident level. And some of them are, are irrational. Um, you know, with specific phobias, again, there's a difference between someone that just has a fear of something and something that you're coming to a therapist for. So it has to cause that clinically significant impairment. Um, I had one client who had difficulty driving over bridges and that made his commute to work in San Francisco really difficult. Oh, so okay. that. But for someone who has a fear of flying and really doesn't like to fly and doesn't care and doesn't really want to get treated. That's, that's not going to qualify. You know what I mean? So again, like we're talking about significant impairment at work, school and home, um, agoraphobia. So this is on the rise actually because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure the exact statistics you might have them. Um, but it's about, uh, I think there was like a 10% jump, um, which was uh -huh. higher than they expected. Um, yeah higher than the psychiatry association, uh, the American psychiatric association expected. Um, because I think with us, a lot of people, myself included, as I'm going to call myself out on this working from home, you know, there's going to be more um, anxiety leaving the home, that right. fear of contamination. Um, speaking of that, we've seen a lot of rise in um, o OCD as well, obsessive compulsive disorder too. Um, so that uh, involves fears that, you know, a fear of something and then a ritual to prevent that fear. So like, if I'm afraid of getting sick, that I wash my hands 10 or 20 times a day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these rituals are pretty common too, um, but they can be very um, difficult for people to tolerate. And there's a lot of work that goes into hiding the rituals and, and stuff like that. You know, it was, I just want to mention something kind of off topic, but yeah. it was the thing I saw um, that new, uh, Joel Cohen film, The Tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington. It's an excellent film, but in it, um, Lady Macbeth, she's washing a spot out of her hand because she killed someone and she's like sad about the blood being there. Well, that blood is actually not on her hand, but she's having an OCD like ritual, oh. washing the hand to try to get it clean, to try to prevent those thoughts of murder coming. Yeah. So you could actually argue that Lady Macbeth was suffering from a kind of OCD. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good example. Um, we have separation anxiety. This happens a lot with children, but also with teens and adults. Um, and I've, I've seen, at least uh, throughout this pandemic, separation anxiety also gets stronger with kids going back to school. Oh, yeah. Um, I just I just started treating a parent who had a little bit of empty nest syndrome with separation anxiety from her teens. Mm. Um, and that involved, like, you know, being afraid of being away from your loved ones. But once again, the pandemic causing so much 
um, closeness. Yeah. With people. And now those bonds are breaking a little bit, going back to the office, um, stuff like that. And now people are having this intense separation anxiety, you know, even students going back to college and stuff like that is very, very strong here. So I, we've seen a big increase um, overall. Um, I just want to briefly mention too the uh, medication induced anxiety disorders. Um, so the use of certain medications or illegal drugs or withdrawal from certain drugs can trigger symptoms. Um, a lot of people don't know that actually, um, you know, stopping cannabis use can trigger um, that kind of substance abuse anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, it's important because um, clients need to know, need to be educated that when they stop abusing cannabis, which a lot of people have done throughout the pandemic as yeah. well, um, when they stop, when they start cutting down or stopping, that can actually lead to withdrawal symptoms um, that include like fear, lack of sleep and stuff like that. We haven't talked too much about sleep, but in a lot of these anxiety disorders, one of the criteria is lack of sleep, excessive worry and racing thoughts. So um, with a lot of these, that's like the common ground. Got you. I so, think a lot with with these disorders is I think you're emphasizing these aren't just like everyday things. I mean, yeah, stress and anxiety is an everyday thing for everyday people too. Yeah. But these go beyond just the everyday. These are very intense. This these very much disrupt a person's life. You know. Yes. Jumping and, back to you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, which oh. I was just about to mention. That's kind of one that we really do need to met. There's, there's 12 of them that are pretty, uh, you know, solid throughout the population. And PTSD is a very um, difficult one. So this is when you've witnessed a traumatic event or, you know, had a traumatic event happen to you. And then the intrusive thoughts come back and come back. Um, and it can be very devastating. And, you know, it's something that does not go away without treatment. Got you. That anxiety is the offshoot of the, the traumatizing event that yeah. occurred for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and I think we always have to think about trauma informed care when we look at these anxiety yeah. disorders as well. So when we're doing assessments, finding out what the traumatic events are in someone's life, you know, whether they were early on or in adulthood. And I don't know if you've ever seen the early childhood events um, scale. That, yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that is so a lot of times with anxiety disorders, someone has a higher scale on the ACE. So right. um, it's certainly, um, although there's a gen genetic component to anxiety disorders, there's also a nature, um, sorry, uh, yeah, an environmental component. Right. <laughs> so right. if someone were to have a traumatic event in, in childhood, there's a much higher likelihood that they're gonna go on and have an anxiety disorder later. Good point. I don't think a lot of people recognize that if you've been through some traumatizing uh, circumstances in your life, that that right there might make you more susceptible for struggling with anxiety disorders for sure. And, and jumping back to panic uh, attacks and panic disorder, uh, how many people a year, and I don't have the statistics for this, but we do know people will go to the emergency room thinking they're having a, a heart attack. Yes. And, and after tests being done that show it's not a heart attack, that it's truly a panic attack. It just shows how severe anxiety can be and how it can manifest in the body. Yes. Sure. In had a few clients like that this year, actually, and go through cardiac workups and they often come, come to us, you know, right, um, right. it's tough when they, when they come to us because they, you know, it's not that they wanted to have a heart attack, but right. it's like, there's, if that was the case, then there's treatment. It's not as stigmatized. It's quite sad that, you know, a heart attack is less stigmatized than an anxiety disorder, yes. in my opinion. Um, so a lot of my clients don't want to take uh, medication or do therapy. And, you know, what I tell them is, honestly, if this was a heart condition, you would be taking medicine. 
And like, what's the difference? You know what I mean? Right. You're taking a different kind of medicine and often it, it can, an antidepressant, an SSRI can really help with anxiety disorders. Um, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I work closely with psychiatry, um, having mm-hmm. a lot of Kaiser Permanente patients. So that right. I feel like I learned a lot from that. Are there other tips or coping skills you can recommend for people who struggle with anxiety disorders? Absolutely. Um, you know, the gold standard is cognitive behavior therapy plus medication. Um, that's going to lead to the highest level of efficacy. And I've also anecdotally seen that to be the case. Um, yeah. You know, when clients are on the right medication and doing therapy weekly, um, that is a specific kind of therapy. It usually really helps. Now, people might be wondering, okay, what can I do at home though? Can I supplement my treatment? Or maybe I'm not ready to try a med or talk to a doctor. Um, so there are some apps that can assist with that. Um, I'm not here to like sell any apps. These are all free apps, but um, one of them that I really like is called um, CBT Mood Diary. That's a really good one. Um, so what it is with CBT, you basically want to be looking at your thoughts and you want to be tracking what they are. So a lot of times people might say, I just had a panic attack for no reason. Um, or my anxiety suddenly skyrocketed for no reason. But what it is, is there's an automatic thought process going on that you have to slow down and look at. And using a tracking app can really help you. So for example, let's say that you suddenly felt your anxiety come on really strong. Oh, it went from zero to hundred. I don't know why it did. Well, looking back at your thoughts, you might say, oh, actually I was thinking back to the time that I was, that I was flying in the air. It was a really quick thought, but it skyrocketed me. Okay. It triggered me. What was I feeling and what do I need to do for myself next? Speaking of that, you know, what's that next step I can do? Meditation is really helpful. Um, I lead a weekly mindfulness group here at Life Stance Health and I'm a part of the Insight LA mindfulness community here, which is very uh, important to me. And uh, I think it's really great for anxiety disorders specifically. Um, John Kabat-Zinn, who wrote a book about this, Daily catastrophe, sorry, full catastrophe living. I almost said daily, full catastrophe living. Very good book about um, anxiety and how mindfulness can help with it. So, um, with mindfulness, you're also kind of monitoring your thoughts too. And I think that's the common ground between CBT and mindfulness. Yeah. You're looking at your thoughts. You're able to say, My thoughts are just thoughts. My thoughts are not facts. You know, they. Right able to let them go. Um, Some good apps for meditation and mindfulness, if you're not ready to go to a group, are like Insight Timer, Calm, Headspace, Noom. Um, These are all apps that I've recommended to my clients uh, with good results. So there is self-help available. And I think with those apps, you know, in between therapy sessions to be able to be working on one's anxiety, interacting with the apps, you know, being mindful of their thoughts and their thinking ears and, and all that goes back to CBT, but also mindfulness skills too, that like the, the Calm app can help with, you know, helping them soothe themselves and bring down that, that worry and stuff like that. So I think the apps are like just so key too uh, for in between therapy sessions to help practice uh, managing anxiety and stuff as well. So all very helpful. Now, do you do specific, like just uh, maybe stress management yourself in your life? What may I yeah. ask you practice doing? Definitely. Um, You know, one thing we haven't talked about yet is exercise and nutrition. Um, That's a very big component here. And uh, for me, that's really important. So um, I do practice yoga, I do surf and bike. And uh, that's one of my forms of stress management for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's things that can get your brain into that flow state, such as art, film, and music. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky to be living in Los Angeles where there's like a very active community mm-hmm. here. Um, so I would say um, doing that. Um, also, being in community is important uh, to me and others. So I have different communities. I have a music community, a mindfulness community, and you know, a therapist community that I connect yeah. with. And, um, that's been very helpful uh, for my stress management. Of course, being a therapist, there's always levels of burnout and stuff that we have to deal with, as you know. And I think it's very important for us to practice what we preach. Um, it's kind of a cliche, but um, if you don't, it will take a toll on your work. Very, very true. I think not only should we as as clinicians preach what others should do, we need to be practicing it as well to manage our own stress and anxiety and stuff. I agree. Do you have any other takeaways for us to help people navigate anxiety disorders? Yeah, I would say, you know, what's a a really good first step would be to listen to others' feedback. Like if you feel, if people are telling you, look, I think you might be stressed out. I think you might be burning out. I think you need to like take a break or calm down. That's a good hint of, you know what? I might want to get into treatment. I might want to talk to somebody. Um, a lot of times it's really hard to see the forest for the trees in terms of your mental health. And this is true for everyone, therapists included, you know? Um, so I would say, you know, a big tip would be to listen to the feedback of others. If you hear someone being concerned about you or your behavior, or, you know, saying, Hey, you know what? You don't seem okay. Like you seem like you're really stressed out. Like you're really burnt out. Like that's a really good sign to talk to someone because a lot of times with anxiety disorders, it's a little bit different than depression. Like um, anxiety disorders can sometimes kind of creep up a little bit um, without you really being aware. Whereas depression is more like encompassing. You really feel that pain and yeah. it really hurts and you're like, I got to go in right now. But with, with anxiety, it's more of a slow boil. And oftentimes when I see people, they've already come to the panic level. They've already come to the PTSD level, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's a lot of suffering. And that some of that can be alleviated if you were to treat a generalized anxiety disorder sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Or it rises into that other stuff. And so that's what I would recommend. Be aware of yourself and your stress. And if it does feel like you're worrying every day, to be honest, that's not a happy life. And that's not a normal life, despite the stresses of 21st century world, you know? Right, right, I hear you. My gosh, Rachel, thank you so much for all your tips and your resources and feedback on how to help people manage their anxiety disorders. Much appreciated. And I think our listeners will definitely get a lot of resources from everything you shared today. So I thank you again for being on our show. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care.